day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Petards Podcast, the podcast with nothing much to do about aircrafts, but potentially everything to do with the first episodes of a filmic series. Disclaimer, petard is a word, a real word, and it's absolutely non-offensive. Look it up. Petards are bombs. Shakespeare what? If you prick us, do we not talk about television pilots? Yes. This is your co-host, Drew, the pragmatic cyclops of this podcast. And I'm Jimbo, the non-conforming existentialist co-hoister and the newly coined Kenny of the podcast. Kenny, what's a dildo? <laughs> Last and certainly not least, the magical Miss Mo, master of pilot. Join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the animated dark horror sci-fi adventure comedy Rick and Morty will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. For those of you new to the Pilots and Petards podcast, you can go to our website, pilotsandpetards.com to learn more about the show and to follow our blog. We have a pre-recording discussion where you can contribute and watch the pilot before we record. And if you leave thoughtful comments, we might share them on air when we record. You might be Pilots and Petards famous. You might be Petard famous. Exactly. And uh, we had a nice little pre-recording Rick and Morty discussion. So way to get in there, uh, Pilots and Petards fans. Throwing some elbows on the boards. And as always, if you want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts or tell your friends about us and and follow us on Instagram, Pilots and Petards. And we're also experimenting with a new aspect. Send us some fan email or other thoughtful comments or communications, and we may discuss that in a future announcement or shop talk. We have also added a new member to the PNP, the Petards team researcher and fact checker and uh show sponsor fits from now on any remarks about the factual content in our show should be addressed toward fits and his twitter handle and uh on the board so if we get anything wrong it is because of fits yes <laughs> thanks fits which this shouldn't be that much of an issue because fits was really the only one that had factual problems with our show so i think we we solved both of those issues go fit yeah, and um, actually, interestingly enough, Fitz is going to start off our background. So he chose this episode. He chose Rick and Morty because he thinks it's funny and dark. He's a fan of H.P. Lovecraft and, you know, those monsters that have, like, tentacles coming out of their mouth that haunt your dreams. He likes animated shows that are not anime, and he really likes the attention to detail and the subversion of the genre tropes along with the insertion of philosophy. This, he says this is a weird and smart show, and he likes the characters. Um, Jimbo, what's your background? For those of you that were listening last week, you'll remember that I didn't even know the title of this show, so it should be no surprise that this is my very first exposure to Rick and Morty. Uh, my background is that I really liked Dan Harmon. I was a huge community fan. I, I heard about this show. I knew about it, but I didn't go out of my way to watch it. It was on cable. I didn't have cable. But then when two seasons of it ended up on Hulu, I watched one and I binged them all. This is still a random show that I watch, like if I'm just like on the bike or wanting to kill 25 minutes. Uh, the only thing is I cannot watch the show if I'm anywhere near sad or depressed. This show is dangerous if you're not in like a 75% or better mood because it gets dark. <laughs> okay. What's your background, Mo? So I've never seen it. I've heard a lot about it because I live in a very hipster-ass neighborhood where they, they had a little pop-up of Rick and Morty. 
and there was like a line around the block of hipsters waiting to do this like interactive experience with Rick and Morty. So I didn't, I don't, I didn't get it, but you'll hear my thoughts later. Nice. Yeah. I completely missed it. Like I knew nothing about Rick and Morty. People love it, but like grown ass people. (laughs) So Jimbo, why don't you uh, get us into this 60 second summary and uh, make it snappy. Wrap it up B. So Rick is a super drunk scientist with the ability to travel through time and different dimensions. For whatever reason, he needs his grandson Morty to accompany him on his wacky missions. For weeks now, Rick has been removing Morty from school to run these shenanigans. Rick and Morty almost get caught when the principal contacts Morty's parents, Jerry and Beth. When Rick is about to be sent to a care home, he finds a way out due to Morty's keistering side effects. All right. Mo, what are some high points? What are your high points there on Rick and Morty? Like I said, I've never seen it. So this was my a legitimate, genuine pilot watching episode and experience. And I found it, I thought it was really funny. I laughed out loud many, many a time. I don't know why I thought things were funny. There was one scene where I think the graphics might have maybe helped, but there was a scene where he, all of a sudden he just kind of goes mute and his lips go inside of his face. And then he just has a giant, like, thing of spit coming out of him (laughs) yeah that was a good one like a blank stare just like 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 he just like froze up but it's like his whole face just like sucks in on itself it's just so funny so so the images were really funny i i liked the mom's character a lot she was a veterinarian and kind of a powerhouse and her husband is just super obsessed with her and pathetic and it's it was really funny to me their their interactions were a nice compliment to the crazy frenetic energy that was Rick and Morty adventures. And also I really liked the, all the sci-fi stuff and I love cool animations of aliens and monsters and different worlds. And I thought that it was really creatively done. Mo, you need to watch beyond the pilot because like, yeah. the crazy aliens and worlds is like Rick and Morty's jam. Really? Okay. Yes. I'm into it. The visuals were really on point. How about you, Drew? I agree, Mo, with a lot of things you're saying. I thought the color palette was super cool, and it made this, like, really awesome kind of juxtaposition between the more mundane, like, kind of, like, Earth-oriented stuff with the high school and with Jerry and Beth versus what was going on with Rick and Morty um, on the alien world. And I also think that Jerry and Beth were very, very funny, especially how real their interactions were. But you're right, how Beth was just, like, clearly superior. <laughs> He's like out of his league. <laughs> I have more to say about Jerry and Beth in my low points, so we'll we'll have to save that. Okay, okay, I can interesting. See it. I thought the show was a lot funnier on reflection. The more I thought about the show, yeah, the more funny it became. And I and I did watch it a second time, and it was for me a lot more enjoyable on the second viewing. I agree with that, Jimbo. It's like one of those things where you think about later, and you're like, oh, that was weird, but. I'm laughing. <laughs> and there is and there is definitely some some really funny things going on. I'll save this for uh, my my MVP. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Definitely get some good humor. I'll I'll jump in with my high points. This seems like a pattern for Drew, but the intro and the theme music were awesome. They really set the tone for what Rick and Morty is. Like there was all those weird science um symbols and then you zoom in on the weird alien planet and rick and morty are getting into trouble and just over and over again like 
Rick jumps out of harm's way with his portal gun and Morty gets screwed and Rick like <laughs> sidesteps a weird adventure and Morty gets eaten and uh, they just continually have it. Something I'll point out that it goes beyond the pilot is Rick and Morty have this like really fun pattern to their intro every season. Hmm. So every first scene and third scene and fifth scene are made up and just weird stuff that happens like Jerry having an alien baby and like uh, Morty's face falling off are made up. But the other scenes that it alternates with it are from the series. So those are scenes that are going to come in the first season. And in the second season, it does the pattern again. And once you get that, it's kind of a cool thing to look at, especially in the first episodes of the seasons. I just started laughing remembering when Rick forgot to tell Morty to turn on the <laughs> he didn't forget he just forgot that morty's a dumbass that's like he you know like he rick is super smart so he probably just assumes that you know that you have to turn a pair of but shoes like on that you can't out. just like like mm-hmm. shoes don't have magical powers like there's a scientific reason behind the shoes ability to be worn whatever it is it's probably but he should have explained that to him and then he's just like you have to turn them on you have to turn them on, Morty. Well, Rick's, Rick's really smart. Rick's not necessarily a good, empathetic person. No, he's not. <laughs> he he overexplains as Morty is down there on the ground. And one thing I like, too, is that Justin Roiland, the guy who created the show, does both voices. And so sometimes it's funny to think of him kind of like yelling at himself, especially when like Morty's on the ground making anguish noises. Yeah, that that was a very Family Guy-ish scene when he was just like ooing and aahing in pain for like a, a minute. <laughs> But no, nothing, nothing about the intro and the theme because Mo kind of just steamrolled my old high point. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just remembering that scene and I wanted to bring it up because it was so funny. <laughs> That's fair. It was funny. I thought the music was was cool. I I do enjoy the music of of that theme song. Otherwise, I I didn't really have anything that stood out to me. I I want to watch it again, but it, I did feel like I just dove into a color pool when the show first started and the music and the scene started coming out it just gets you right in there it's kind of hectic it's a hectic show it is it, it is it is a hectic song too yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it kind of it, it it sets the scene do you want to sing it for us jim or drew uh no um jimbo what's your high point so my high point kind of builds off of what drew was saying is the absurdity of the show like this show is just off the wall absurd from the opening that 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 opening scene is just like what the hell is going on you have this guy comes in he's stumbling drunk he's completely out of it and he just drags his grandson and next thing you know they're in this weird spaceship that he built out of garage stuff and he's has a new uh, neutrino bomb that he's going to use to start humanity over <laughs> from scratch with Morty and his crush Jessica, and so, dude, that first scene, you're just like, what the hell is going on? And I think it just sets the stage for the whole show. Like this show is just ridiculous, and it's going to take you maybe anywhere. I have thoughts about that scene as well. Not necessarily the scene itself, but the placement of the scene. But I'll come back to that in my low points. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying with the absurdity of the show, and I think that the absurdity of the show is played very much against. Like, Rick is kind of like the comedian and the straight man. Because, like, Rick doesn't 
necessarily do things for laughs, but like funny things happen around him. But he's the object of the absurdity. Because when you're right, when he's standing on the cliff being like, When you're wearing these things, babe, these babies, you can basically just walk on any surface you want, Morty, up, down, below, turn around to the left. These things really bring it all together. You have to turn them on, Morty. The shoes have to be turned on. Like they're not yeah. they're not magic here, Morty. Like, come on. You gotta you gotta turn the boots on. So I mean he's the reason it's funny, but also he's the one who's being like, Come on, man. So I, I get that. That's very funny, because otherwise you'd think someone would apologize, but Rick Rick will not apologize. Yeah, he walks down, he's like he's like, Morty, I used them a couple weeks ago, they work just fine. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks down casually. <laughs> he said you have to turn them on like seventeen times. Like from the from the top of the cliff all the way down to the bottom when he comes to his mangled body. I'm watching the intro right now, Drew, just to remember it. Awesome. It's very short. Yeah, it is. All right. This is this is good audio podcasting, but anything else <laughs> on Jimbo's high point? I think I'm gonna save the second part for the dangling threads. And now, listeners, we're gonna move on to our Alyssa Low Point. Seeing skating. You pretty shit. Fuck off. And Drew is gonna start us off. So I, I had a different thought. I thought that um, a lot of the pilot really hung together in terms of like story-wise and tone. But the first part of like M- Rick breaking into like Morty's bedroom and doing all these crazy things, I understand how it defines the characters. I think that they could have done something just a little bit differently, you know, because it doesn't necessarily jive with like the rest of the story. Um, it's kind of abrupt like an ending and then it jumps right into the opening. I think you could have ended with that scene, you know, like that could have been the very last thing that shows like, this is the status quo of the show and this is where we're going. I think you really could have just started with like all of them at the breakfast table and like Morty's face just going into the eggs. Um, And then you could have seen where everything was going. So it was a little bit of a slow start for a very um, packed pilot. And I think, you know, again, like, shows we like we're kind of reaching for some low points this is a little bit of a reach i think you could have shifted that scene to the back end of the pilot and still kept it and had it be funny what do you think about the placement of that scene i have to disagree big time if if you take that scene out then the show starts with them having breakfast and we and then they're talking about why is is morty falling asleep at the table i think you need that first scene i also think i i I went and watched doc and marty which is predates Rick and Morty. And and this was my dangling thread, and I guess we can discuss it now because it relates to Drew's low point. But I think that opening scene sets the show apart from Doc and Marty, the spoof off of Back to the Future, or where where Doc is constantly trying to get Marty to lick his balls. And it's just absurd li- little that. clip. You should watch that now. Just watch the first part. <laughs> Is it like these hand-drawn situations? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a it's little really bit like low quality. Oh, it's like nuts are hanging out of his pants. Yeah, his nuts are hanging from his pants the whole time. So so I think this opening scene distinguishes the show Rick and Morty from Doc and Marty. Because that thing was just Marty is kind of practical. I mean, he's pretty much being raped by, by this old man. And Rick and Morty, they changed the dynamics. Now it's a grandfather, grandson. I'm watching this. In the in the Doc and Marty, Marty has no agency whatsoever. <laughs> Where Morty does, Morty has 
some agency. He fights off Rick in that op- that opening scene, and it's like, okay, this is not just going to be like some old man having this weird like pedophile relationship with this voiceless boy. I guess. I mean, Morty doesn't exactly show a whole lot of agency the entire rest of the episode. No, that's true. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that Marty and Doc, like this short that, you know, Dan Harmon found out about Justin Rowland is particularly famous beyond Rick and Morty and even to all Rick and Morty fans. So I don't see the need for it to distinguish it. I think you could still get, you know, like Morty's face flying into the eggs and then the story kind of could unfold from there. But if you appreciate it, that's fine. I just don't necessarily think that that animated short is so famous that you would need to stop people from associating them together. Cause I think that like that dynamic of like young man and old scientist is weird enough and identifiable enough as an archetype that you kind of get it. And then also the show plays on the fact that it's a weird dynamic. I had mixed feelings about that intro too, Drew. Like I thought that it felt just so sudden and I was, I couldn't pay attention because I was so distracted by my own, like my own confusion as to what the hell what they were doing and why this was so important and he that's when he was talking about saving humanity i believe so it just seemed so like important and ending humanity ending and starting a new humanity with like morty as adam and jessica as eve yeah it just sounded like they were on a really big important mission that i had no idea what it was about and so i i had mixed feelings where when they finally went full circle i'm like okay this guy is just an insane old man so the confusion you know settled but it was i don't know i had mixed feelings about it i don't know if he is a insane old man my impression of him on the first episode is well i mean i think if you i think if you pull that little clip out and then you just start with the family you're still getting the crux and you're still getting the meat of the show and you're still getting like the basic story which is um rick wants to bring morty on mikey adventures the parents don't want it to happen it's affecting morty and then rick does it anyway so I don't necessarily think that opening scene adds too much that's not already existing in the first scene. And if you put it at the very end, it's still funny, but you have more of an idea of who the characters are. So maybe it just works better if you get the show and you kind of get the show by the end. But Jimbo, if you really like it and you think it's funny right off the bat, I mean, I'm sure some people appreciate it too. To me, it sets the scene where if I started watching and it was just them eating breakfast, I don't know if I would be that interested in finishing the, the, the pilot. From that intro, I'm like, oh, shit, look, this is going to be interesting. I mean, the whole Adam and Eve thing, it's cool, Morty. I'm not going to do anything with her, man. She's just for you. You know, it's uh, – uh, uh, I'm not weird. like that. You know, like, I, dude, I thought that <laughs> thing was just hilarious. And then you find out it's like his grandpa. <laughs> uh, Mo, what was, what was your low point? I think we're good on mine. So a, a piece of mine kind of – is what you mentioned, Drew, about it being roughly cut or frenetic and confusing, especially with the way it started, and also having to pay so much attention to whatever the fuck Rick was trying to say, because I was, it just sounded like he was having a seizure and lose and like saying random words at certain points. It's just like, what's, what's up, old man? Like, I don't get it. And then the burping was gross to me, and I didn't understand why. He's wasted. He couldn't get like a full sentence out. He couldn't get one sentence out without burping. He's that. He's that drunk, dude. He's that wasted. He's just blacked out. And I'm sure whatever dimension they live in, like, it's probably some strong ass shit. 
And then he just always had drool like hanging off his mouth. It just was gross. <laughs> I thought those were high points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I did say that one scene when he just like went dead in the face, what? like deadpan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the drool almost like hit Morty's face. But, you know, you grow to appreciate the characters by the end. But you're right. Like, some parts of it are off-putting, which... I just wish I understood what what he was saying half the time. I wanted to understand this world he knew about because you can tell he knew his science. (laughs) And I wanted to just actually know about it and not try to figure it out through his gibberish and mumbling and drunk tirades. Well, I think that's where the philosophical aspects come, come into play. It's an oniony show. There's layers, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, so those those were more or less my my low points. But it was it was an enjoyable show. How about you, Jimbo? So once again, we have mixed. You know, we're mixed matching our highs and lows, and our lows and highs. We are. I thought the characters outside of Rick and Morty were extremely flat. I thought Jerry and Beth in the pilot episode. If uh, if if Drew wants to complain about Al. Bundy and Peggy Bundy, he should be complaining about Beth and Jerry even more because I I feel like they came off just extremely flat. I I also feel like Beth is just a guy character from like Family Guy. It seems like a guy that doesn't understand women wrote Beth's character. I'll say that. Okay, interesting. Um, I'll say this because I mean I'm going to come back to it um, in some MVP talk, but I think where I would appreciate Jerry and Beth more so than um al and peggy is just because i feel like al and peggy were kind of like you know retelling some jokes and some tropes again from like an earlier age whereas um i think like the passive aggressive nature of jerry and Beth's marriage reminds me more of like the overeaters anonymous like asian couple who wanted to sabotage each other you know like the passive aggression was like very real in um a way that they spoke to each other and kind of dealt with each other i really like when Jerry just kind of like kept elbowing and being like horse doctor, horse surgeon, you know, and like oh. <laughs> it was getting under best skin. And then he's like, okay, I'm not going to have that fight again. So I thought that there was a bit more, um, there's just a little bit more balance in terms of like actual things versus archetypes and tropes. What do you think Jimbo? I still think they're very flat characters. It was like less conventional. Kind of. I think it's. I think it's. De- I think Beth and Jerry get developed a lot better in the future. I I mm. I still see the shades because I love when Jerry says that if he has an affair with like the other surgeon, oh he's gosh, gonna like kill himself so in front of them. Because I was like, that's dark and real <laughs> and dark. Like, I will go to your hotel room and shoot myself <laughs> all over your naked bodies. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, that well, was maybe, dark. Maybe I'll modify. I didn't give a crap about Jerry or Beth. And I thought Beth was just really weak. I mean, she's, I guess she's probably supposed to be weak, I guess. Like the way that she just falls for, you know, for her, for her dad's crap. But then she's acting like a family guy character when, during the horse surgery, you know, she's all like yelling and just, I don't know, it just came off really weak to me. I think it was a nice balance because Rick and Morty themselves were a lot of energy and a lot to keep up with. I, I needed a break from all of that. Jerry mentions too that like, Rick just came back in their lives. And so I really like the small character touch when uh, Rick is very rude to Jerry at breakfast. And then he leaves. He's like, he's like, Beth, you made the crap out of those eggs. Your mother would have been proud. And you're like, yeah, like Rick is very manipulative. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And he does it in such a way that pisses off Jerry. Like, intra family stuff um, in between, like, parents-in-law, spouses, and other things is, like, fraught with landmines in any marriage. But especially one where it kind of seems like Beth is in the driver's seat because um, she's, like, a little bit higher. And Jerry just takes shots when she can't, when he can. But, you know what? It's fine. We're previewing my MVP. The listeners appreciate it. Spoiler alert. All right. Well... Um, is everyone good on some low points? Can we can we leave this area? Nice. Okay. Jimbo does not like that I dislike his low point, but that takes us. Yeah, I should have added the the cheap laughs. Oh well, go back to it, man. Get in there. What are the cheap laughs you saw? Oh, like almost the whole show. Some of the Morty squeezing the teacher's boobs. Five more minutes of this, and I might get mad. That was funny. Really? That was funny. How about all the the dick forest that was funny those are cheap laughs how is that good, not a good, cheap laugh good cheap laughs yeah those are cheap it is laughs a cheap too. laugh yeah. but, but but those were good cheap laughs <laughs> i thought the boob touching was also like you you just took my crab man you just took my crab man jimbo if oh, you read whatever. the notes you i owe you one if you, <laughs> oh, if you it's okay. my turn <laughs> there you go <laughs> anyways whatever we can cut that i i didn't no, write down the specific it. I, I, I didn't write down the specific cheap laughs that I didn't like, and I've already forgot them. So obviously they they weren't that that low of a point. Or they were extremely cheap and forgettable. Bam. Yeah, mm, one we'll of the never two. Know. Let's move on to Crab Bank. Hey, Earl. Hey, Crab Man. Go ahead, Mo. Give you your crab back. That scene when Morty thinks he's grabbing Jessica's boobs in his dream, and instead he's actually grabbing the teacher's boobs. I, I just thought that was so funny. And I knew it was going to happen. I was like, who's, what is he actually doing right now? And I was really nervous. <laughs> and then when he finally wakes up and he's grabbing the teacher's boobs, I, I like that scene. I don't want to give it to the teacher because he's kind of a creep. He's a huge creep. Uh, the look of sexual pleasure on his face. Well, he's the only one in that scene to give it to unless you want to give it to Jessica. Yeah, maybe Jessica. Because she was Jessica. also on point. She was a great dream girl. Okay, dream. She was Jessica. very sex positive All in that dream. That she was like, nom- get in there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she like, was. Knock him around, Morty. <laughs> I thought that was a great scene. For anyone that's ever been a boy at school, it doesn't take anything at all for you to start daydreaming about sex in someone in something else that's going on at school. Like that is like such a real thing that happens to boys that have. It happens to girls too. Oh, really? Just sit in class and all of a sudden you're just thinking about having sex. I, I think it's manifests in a different dream fantasy, but girls stay dream too. Okay, cool. I would say too, um, Jessica's dialogue is also what a, a pubescent boy would think about too. Yes, yes. She comes over, she's like, Completely I named them agree. Mortys. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And she's like, get in there, knock them around, <laughs> have some fun. What's up with Morty's hairline? This is a dangling thread. I just can't get over it. Some people just have hairlines like that. <laughs> Jim was getting a little sensitive. No, his, his hair was like his just whole his whole the drawing of his hair was funny to me. Like right. just just looking at I didn't Morty. I didn't notice. You didn't notice? No, it just I looks don't. Looks like a helmet head, but it starts like way the fuck back here. So my crab man, and I, it's interesting that Mo Mo's calling it crab X because I have the first, um, I guess, intra species crab award to put in so it's not even a crab man maybe it's a crab robot is glenn 
um, the alien whose leg got shot off and just starts bleeding out. Buddy, they're just buddy. robots, Morty. It's okay to shoot them. They're robots. That was a great Rick and Morty joke, and it's very indicative of the tone of the series. Also, incredibly dark, too. And so I thought that that character and like those lines gave so much more than any other small individual performance, because that got me on board. I remember watching that the very first time ever, and I was like, I'm enjoying myself immensely, and that's a very funny joke. That was a very funny joke, and I completely agree. That was actually the second bureaucratic joke as well he also makes a comment about about bureaucrats or uh, bureaucracy while while they're waiting in line right 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 before they start uh running when he has to put the seed in his butt yeah after that <laughs> <laughs> that's a cheap laugh that's a good cheap laugh that was a great cheap that laugh. i'm gonna need you laugh. to put this in your butt morty <laughs> way up there <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like <laughs> There was a few cheap laughs I didn't like, but there was a lot of really good cheap laughs. What did he say? He's like, Morty, I can't put it up mine. I've done it too many times. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like, Morty, you still have some elasticity. You'll be fine. That was one thing we actually overlooked in in Moe's High Point. The the, um, irony in this show was excellent as well. Like, that was really funny. We're we're wandering away from Crabman territory, but the visuals on the seeds were fantastic. Those were craggy sharp pointy seeds with little granules on them and little hairs (laughs) coming out of it too and i was like yeah a good attention to detail but we're straying from the crab the crab uh (laughs) the crab bureaucrat award the crab robot award but jimbo what'd you have you know i have to agree with drew glenn glenn's a crab man by far can you admit it mo i can i can that was a that was a really funny scene (laughs) <laughs> poor glenn i hope he made it we don't know he might have made it and might have been able to see his kids i again. don't think glenn made yeah, it based man. on the show <laughs> what i saw i'm pretty sure glenn bled out right tell then my there. kids i love them yeah so sad poor glenn okay poor one for the home eagle gun <laughs> all right so the crab robot bug alien award this week goes to glenn r.i.p crab bureaucrat award we got a promo swap this week, and we are swapping with Home Video Hustle. I, I think those guys are hilarious, and Jimbo, they have very strong opinions about Star Wars, so you might enjoy it very much, too. You listen to an episode or two. Hey, do you like movies? Hey, do you like podcasts? If you do, then come on down and listen to the Home Video Hustle podcast, homie. Hustle, hustle. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie up, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.popping.com. All of them in one place for you. So you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the Defenders. Uh, but I like to think we a little bit better than that. Come on at you boys, man. Come chill with us. Peace. Peace. All right. Welcome back, listeners. Now we're going to move into our MVP. And for those of you new to the show, this is our most valuable part of the pilot. Go ahead, Drew. Make up for my low point. Uh, you guys heard most of it. I just think that uh, Jerry and Beth's very, very, very passive-aggressive marriage is both 
depressing in a way a lot of the parts of this show are depressing but also real and pretty funny i like the friction in the marriage because it makes it seem uh very believable and i think it adds just another layer to a show that has a ton of layers i like the att- i think jerry and best marriage and the very small little glimpses we see of their past fights and their future fights and the reasons that they resent each other is another example of the great attention to detail that good pilots have and that this one has in spades so i don't think they were flat characters i think that they were characters of depth because they were very familiar with each other and we could kind of see why they both dislike each other but also why they don't necessarily want to leave each other they're i feel like they have a very codependent shitty marriage and they go bang at the end but like reluctantly yeah it wasn't it, it wasn't like a Peggy and Al kind of okay and then they bang Kinda at the it was end. I don't think no, it was they were it into was it. They were, Al was way more into it yeah I I feel like because you've seen the show Drew you picked up on a lot more of the subtleties of their relationship in this pilot That's fair I think that what you're saying is true and I can see what you're saying about it but um I don't know I I feel like because you know how this things things evolve between them the few glimpses we do get into them, I, I didn't, I personally didn't read too much into it, except the scene where he said he would blow his brains off on top of their bodies. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I thought that was more just like for shock value, like, like what does that, what does that actually do for for Jerry's character besides just his insecurity? He's pathetic. I mean, he's not saying he would kill her or like ruin her life or do those other things. He's like, yeah, I'm okay. gonna like That's do true. the most pathetic thing possible to ruin your day, which is blow myself apart on top of your naked bodies. I think also there, there are signs of their weird relationship in when he like starts like saying under his breath, like horse surgeon, horse surgeon. He's so mad. He's so emasculated by her power. Yeah, he is. And then I think the fact that like they very reluctantly have sex at the end is better than when Peggy and Al, cause like Peggy and Al just makes it seem like a fairy tale. They're like, Oh, these people are redemptive, even though we're not showing a character arc versus, Beth reluctantly giving sex to someone that she doesn't respect is right. funny and depressing. But do you think, and this might be a dangling thread, but they do show her relationship to her father to be pretty twisted. If you know, just even through that small interaction of his mediocre compliment about the eggs. So she might have some daddy issues. I wonder how that evolves. Drew, you know, but <laughs> this is a great show. <laughs> <laughs> That was my thing with Beth, I guess, is that, and and she kind of gave in, and she didn't have good arg- arguments against Jerry when they're talking about Morty and the school thing. So that's why I thought they were just kind of flat characters. They don't push back really against against Rick at all. They're just really submissive. It seems like I guess my thing about the flat characters was more just submissive characters. That's real people, though. I mean, they're real people who don't say what they think and like go through life like that. So I mean. Not everyone gets to, like, jump up and, like, have their moment. You know, some people, like, live getting ground down every single day. Well, that's why most people's lives aren't portrayed on television. Sometimes it's funny when they are. Sometimes it is funny. Mo, what's what's your MVP? I kind of touched on this when I had to just interject and mention the scene that when Morty forgets to turn on his <laughs> anti-gravity shoes or whatever those were. I had to pick Morty because he puts up with so much. And he's just an awkward young kid who wants, he wants girls and he's going through a weird, hard, tough time in his life. And I just can't imagine what it would be like to have someone like that show up and all of a sudden be your grandpa. 
<laughs> at that age and he's like dragging you around on all these crazy adventures and your parents don't believe in you at all like that last scene when i was like wait he is smart and then it he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was a weird scene too like for one the stuff he did he just rattled off a couple facts that wasn't smart at all like the but smart enough to impress his parents <laughs> exactly because his parent because his parents i know are which are like, complete yeah, idiots are just like lame average people yeah fine let, let, let me take back their flatness and just call them lame average people that was my problem dude lame average people are flat characters drew they're also super real because they're all around us you know what i take back my low point they were flat characters <laughs> drew just agreed with me yeah but that's why i think they're funny because they're very real and it's the mundanity of life okay that's fine okay um mo i'm with you Morty is such a little sport and the attention to detail, like Morty walking out of the bathroom, being slightly uncomfortable and looking a little bit pissed off. And then, and then like Rick having to check and be like, did you get him in there? Did you get him up there real deep? Yeah. (laughs) He puts up with the most and he gets broken. And then at that last scene, he's just being tortured. That's how (laughs) the episode ends. You got to watch it when you're in a good mood. Do not watch the show when you're tired (laughs) or upset at the world. (laughs) You know, but he, (laughs) he doesn't have any friends as well. Like his parents are okay with him and Rick doing these just weird things because he doesn't have any friends. They're like happy to see him out of the house. (laughs) Yeah. He also doesn't know that he has a learning disability. There's, there's a lot going on with Morty. Yeah, what did they say? Did they say that he had a learning disability? I don't think Morty has a learning disability. I think Morty's just like not smart. Morty seems like he's Jerry's son. I'm not classifying him. His his father says it in the show. Nah, I don't believe that based on what I saw in the pilot. No, but the dad does say something like he says. I mean, he dude, he could have a learning disability. Attention span. I mean. It's not like a bad word to say that someone has a learning disability. But I don't think he does. I think he's just not intelligent. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. I mean, he also missed but like they... a bunch of school recently and doesn't sleep at night. Yeah, but he was never good at school if you paid attention to what his mom says. But but uh, my whole point here is about him. His parents are pretty much like bad-mouthing him in front of him. And then Rick's able to st- step in and be like, oh, well, he's smart now because he hangs out w- with me. And then he rattles off a couple weird things and his parents like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Let's. Yeah, that's Rick just being super manipulative, as is his want. Yep. I Yeah, Morty puts up with a bunch and he does so with a decent attitude because, I mean, maybe Morty wants to have a good relationship with his grandfather and he doesn't know how to do it. The same way that Beth doesn't know how to have a good relationship with Rick unless it's just letting him walk all over her. Or maybe a friend like Rick is better than no friends at all. No friends at all doesn't make you put stuff in your butt pointy things <laughs> and then have like painful torture symptoms for hours well i've i've never had no friends and i don't know i think I, maybe it does we'll never know yeah maybe when we're old and we're like rick exactly <laughs> we'll have a child friend <laughs> <laughs> in not a creepy way that go. dog and morty was disgusting <laughs> Doc and oh Marty. yeah dude for sure <laughs> Doc and marty yep Oh, did I say, I thought for a second I said Dick and Morty because it was that, that last scene of him jacking him off was really aggressive. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, that was a climax for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. Okay. It's wrong. Oh, and then, so my MVP will compliment, mine's Rick. I loved Rick. 
all things Rick. Like if we if if we just lined up all of Rick's lines and I could just listen to that without any of the other show, like I would probably enjoy that experience e- even better. Rick is really really funny. You're right, and also Rick's voice acting is great. He's distinctive in such a way, and I agree with Mo that like the first scene is rough in terms of like trying to understand Rick. But once you get used to Rick's cadence, the way he talks, the way he burps, the way he drools, like he is completely hilarious. So, Drew, you're more saying that people would appreciate the opening scene if it was at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my whole point. I, I think it's a good scene. I think it's funny. Uh, I just think that, like, it's a little bit too much. It's it's relying on your audience too much. But the thing is, this is definitely a niche show that got very popular. But, and, you know, it could have been, like, a gatekeeper scene. Like, if you watch this and you're into this, it's cool. You can be our friend and, like, be part of our club. That opening was almost my high point. I love that opening. I think it's super strong. It's something that you can come back to over and over again. And his just absurd reasoning and like he's missing the point on like why Morty's upset that Rick's about to kill all of humanity. But Rick's thinking like he must be upset because he thinks I'm going to try and like make moves on Jessica. He's like, no, 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 Morty. <laughs> I'm not going to touch her, man. And, you know, that <laughs> And so, like, that's, like, the irony. Like, that's, like, the irony I just really loved about Rick's character because he's so ironic. Yeah, Rick, I mean, it's just this archetype or this idea that, like, the scientist or, like, is going to be wise and is going to be good and is going to have the best ideas at heart. Rick's a scumbag. Um, And, like, he's kind of an unabashed, manipulative scumbag. But you like him. He's funny. It's just he's not a Doc Brown and he's not um, a beast who's also a mad scientist-style character. He's just... It's not even like he's evil. He's just not altruistic in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. He has like no moral compass. Yeah, that's that's maybe a potential dangling thread. Yeah. His explanation to Morty when he gets back to like fix his legs that are all just so broken in every single way. There's just one problem, Morty. One little hang-up. The dimension I visited was so advanced that they had also halted the aging process and everyone there was young, Morty, and they had been forever. I was the only old person there, Morty. It was like I was some, some you know, celebrity walking around. It was, I was fascinating. There were a lot of attractive women there, Morty, and they, 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 they all wanted time with me. I had a lot of fun with a lot of young ladies, but I spent so much time there, my interdimensional portal device, it's got no charge left, Morty. It's got no charge left. What? It's as good as garbage, Morty. Yeah. It's not going to work anymore, Morty. <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick, that's not good. Ooh, what are we going to do? I, I have to be back at school. That was great. That's a great Morty line, too. <laughs> You know, it's it's a good indicator that it's a good show because, like, the show's called Rick and Morty, and they were both MVPs in our eyes. So, way to go, Rick and Morty, the show. You accomplished what you set out to do. All right, so now now it's time to dangle. We've been dangling. We, we, we have been dangling. This show's been really messy. We, we've been stepping boundaries in the wrong sections. I like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's you break know, rules like, like Rick. Exactly. Like the Rick and Morty show is definitely not is uh, has been influenced by Rick himself. So we all got a little Rick in us this time. Let's let's touch on back to the future. I didn't know about the Doc and Marty thing, but when I, that very first scene, I'm like, oh, this is back to the future. That I thought played really well in into the whole thing. Like you have this old guy and this young boy. And it makes you think back to back to the future, which I watched as a young child. And I never even thought twice about like, why doesn't Doc have his own friends that aren't in high school? <laughs> Marty, too. Why does Marty want to hang out with Doc? Because he's wise. Well, in Rick and Morty, it makes sense because he doesn't have any friends. 
and his parents think he has, you know, like some bigger issues. <laughs> yeah, I think the the doc and the Marty thing kind of goes to the very dark humor. Um, I imagine that like when the creators of the show watched it, they were like, oh, why is like an old man hanging out with this young boy versus if your mind doesn't naturally go to that place, maybe there's a reason that we didn't create the show Rick and Morty. Yes. Yeah, looking back, you're like, uh... But it's still, I still like Back to the Future. I'll still watch it again. Oh, I love Back to the Future. But you're right. It is, it is an odd pairing of the crazy old man and these, uh, this family who knows that Marty is going over to his house and does not seem to care. Josh Whedon tried to copy that with Buffy, and it was a terrible miss. Yeah, it is odd that Buffy is best friends with the British librarian. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, why is that? Is that a th- is that an archetype? Wise old white men with young men or women. And no one questioning abuse. And it's just, yeah, actually totally casual and normal. Well, it was casual and normal for probably most of human history. Hanging out with the elders for their wisdoms. I can get behind that. Or elders creep creeping on kids. Or that. Yeah, they're not yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. And like the mentor mentee thing as well. I could get down with some wisdoms. So, Mo, you have a dangling thread. What is it? This, again, goes back to my low point of not knowing what the fuck Rick was saying. Which, which What is this universe that they live in? Is it Earth? Do they live on Earth and they can just travel to all these galaxies and planets? The portal gun runs out of juice and then it's rendered useless and you can't get a new portal gun? I'm confused. Yeah, like you have access to customs, but you don't have access to a... a- <laughs> battery charger or a power source that's just the like absurdity that nothing's going to make sense in this show well i like that things become normal i like that rick or calls out morty because they're on like an alien planet and morty's pissed off he's missing school and rick's like look around you morty like look at these things what is that thing weren't you like more amazed and i think that like kind of pushes back on like the mundanity of life is a huge theme of rick and morty and it's a huge philosophical theme of Rick and Morty of like, what is happiness? What is accomplishment? And what are we doing? And I don't want to give away like later episodes, but the things you guys are talking about is very satisfactorily explored. I appreciate that. Especially the, uh, the education. Two plus two equals four. Yeah. Get into that Jimbo. Cause that was Fitz. Shout out Fitz. Yeah. Yeah. That was Fitz's thing. Jimbo. What was Fitz talking about? Rick says to Jerry and Ben. Yeah. School isn't a place for smart people. And then when he, you know, and he makes this, this spill about two plus two is four. And then all the students just repeat it. And then you go to uh, the classroom and the classroom is littered with incorrect facts on the board. And so you can like clear, clearly see what school is not doing. And it's not, you know, like it's not a place for smart people. And then Rick's trying to make his, you know, his, his argument that they're out there like, this is this is the real education. Like this is learning about different people and different worlds. And I think that's a metaphor as well that we could also tie it into that you need to get out of there of your comfort zone and learn about other people and other cultures and, and other things that's going on in life. Like, education is not sitting in a classroom and just repeating what the teacher tells you. It's going out in the world and exploring and learning things that you wouldn't maybe normally put yourself in a situation to learn. Um, I agree. Uh, and I mean, I'm, I am a teacher and stuff, but I, I definitely have like theories that school does not serve all kids. 
I think that school is like a bell curve and it serves the middle 85. I think it doesn't serve the bottom seven and a half percent. I don't think it serves the top seven and a half percent, which I think Rick identifies as like, quote unquote, smart people. And, you know, school is not made for everyone. School is just made for the majority. So I would absolutely agree with that reasoning and with that logic, because we're dealing with like finite resources. And I know everyone rails on like standardized testing and the way we do education in America, but I just want people to be more pragmatic about that shit, you know, because like if you have a trillion dollars to completely overhaul American education system, like please do so. But until then, like we're doing the best <laughs> we can with what we got and school is not for everyone. And some kids see it. Some kids see through the bullshit. And I've literally told students, this might not be the best thing for you right now, but like a, some parts of your life are going to be making the best that you can with like a situation that's not for you. And that can be the lesson for today. Not necessarily that two plus two equals four, but Sometimes you're in a situation you can't get out of and you got to just deal with it. And Drew, that was a very generous 85%. I'm pretty sure the standard bell curve only has like 60 something percent of in it. So no, the um, I feel like, well, the, the inside of the bell curve, yes. like you're talking about like the middle, but I mean the total thing in the bell curve, I feel like one end to one end, like if you're getting outside of like what is considered a genius level IQ versus what is considered to be like low. I, th- I think it's like 85 is the middle and then the top seven and a half and the low seven and a half is like extraordinary. My uh, reason for springing that up is I would say school is only meant for maybe like 60%. I would lower that. Wow, that's low. 60 something percent. I'm pretty sure the national graduation rate is about 80%. And those numbers are very much inflated to make schools look good. Yeah, I think you are right. I was just looking at that up the other day. What do you think, Mo? I, I definitely agree. School isn't for everyone, but I really liked Teacher Drew's words of wisdom of in life, you just have to go through things that you don't necessarily appreciate, but you have to make the best of it. That wasn't Drew's wisdom. That was Dr. K's wisdom. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> but that shit's no. mandatory. So there's no way out. Like you have to go to school yeah. or your parents will go to jail. Which, you got to make something they? that resembles lemonade. Oh, right, right, right. Dr. K, throwback. Major dad. Maybe maybe Dr. K becomes Rick. Ooh, I doubt it. <laughs> Not on his path. <laughs> I can 100% get behind Rick's skepticism of education systems and how petty and arbitrary they are and how they're also just designed to allow us a, a small percentage to succeed and make it through that mechanism alone you know what i mean what do you mean though like for a small um people like what is that mechanism are you talking about socioeconomic right like the achievement gap is very alive and kicking and it's very real and it's due to structural racism and be beyond just the structure of school itself and it not allowing space for art or other forms of creative thinking in the way that or the type, the ricks of the world. <laughs> um, I also do think it's designed for a very precious few that because Rick's a white man, he probably would still succeed in the education. He probably did. Because, yeah, because of the way he is. But if like, you know, a POC kid was insane like Rick, he would probably not have succeeded as well. I was just going to say that I think school is designed as pretty much population control for the majority of people to not let the wild kids i think that school's goals and its methods are almost diametrically opposed 
you know, like if its goals are to raise up people and to empower them, you know, through the intent of equity, um, then that's definitely not what's being delivered um, based on like what resources are given to schools and what resources are given to like educators. And I'm especially thinking in terms of like Common Core, because like what pisses me off especially is like whenever people want to compare like American school systems to like all these other school systems in other countries, like specifically Nordic countries or places like South Korea or Japan. That are homogenous. We don't have a nationalized education system, which would allow us to more accurately assess where there are truer needs. We still have a state by state system because people want to get whiny about like losing their freedoms or whatever. Whereas like <laughs> I don't want to be compared to more of like a homogenized education, not a homogenized population, but homogenized standards. Cause like in South Korea, they have a national curriculum. Whereas in America, we have 50 different States. And I had a student a couple years ago who came from, I'm not going to give away too much information, but this student was an honor student in like Miss Alaga, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. They put this kid in like an honors class in my Colorado school system. And he sank like a stone. So, like, you just can't compare, like, any of these standards and you can't get accurate data because we can't compare anything. So we don't know where we need to send the money. Although, spoiler warning, it's the South. Just because a, a school writes their goal statement and puts it on their website doesn't mean that's their goal. Like, like I don't think schools' goals are to do what what Drew just said they are. I think schools' goals are just somewhere to keep kids so parents can work. It's It's economically driven. Oh, yeah. School's a business. People don't want to say it, but it is. I mean, education is a business. School doesn't even really prepare. It doesn't it doesn't prepare most people to go to join the workforce either. So that's not even a real goal for education either. I would disagree how philosophically you want to identify school, because, I mean, if 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 part of school is learning about responsibility, turning things in on time, working with different people and taking shit from someone who you don't necessarily want to listen to, but you have to work with to get to the end of the day. That sounds a lot like the workforce. And that sounds a lot like what we ask students to do. But just because you don't use chemistry on a daily basis, doesn't mean that the skills that you picked up being a successful student won't serve you being a successful adult. Cause you do have to like do stuff on time, like pay bills and you do have to work with some people that you may not necessarily choose, like students in your class who you don't get to choose who to work with. But that's for students who envision that in their future, right? You also have the option to not engage in that type of society. But I mean, I push back on this too, because like I use consensus as like a tool, like w tell me about the jobs that don't require consensus. Because artists have to work with brokers. They have to work with the people they sell their stuff to. Mark Zuckerberg has to go in front of Congress and he also works with the board of directors. Like these ultra rich people, like even athletes have our coworkers. Like when LeBron James doesn't get along with Delonte West, because there's rumors that like, you know, he hooked up with LeBron's mom. Like that is like not the best work environment and stuff. So, I mean, you're still working with people that you don't choose. And I'm trying to think of an employment job where you are not having to collaborate in some way and school can prepare you for that. Can. Yes. Uh, I was specifically referring to skills as in look at people that are graduating college and they're not qualified to do anything like common sense. No, like, I mean like they can't get a job because they don't have the skills or they have to get a job that they didn't need to go to college for. No one made them be philosophy majors, Jimbo. <laughs> A very a very small percentage of of college graduates are philosophy majors. You you'll like this, Jimbo. 
Top 10 most common, number one, English language and literature. Wasn't that you? <laughs> wannabe. Wannabe. Lib liberal arts and sciences, general studies, then accounting, criminal justice, teacher education, bio, nursing, general psych. So you're right. Philosophy is not up here. Hmm. Cool. The only thing you could do with a philosophy degree is go to graduate school and hope that you can become a philosophy professor. Or go to law school. Most philosophy majors are going to go to law school. History majors too. <sighs> well, cool. Yeah, school is complicated. And we that thread could dangle for another 15 to 20 minutes too. Yep, it definitely could. And I'm going to, and I'm going to try and steal the last, the last word. If anyone that's a parent out there, if you love your kids, don't send them to school. Okay, school <laughs> not, is not a place for smart kids or smart people. I can't people. follow that. <laughs> So there's an interesting aspect of Rick and Morty that relates to the Me Too movement. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that Dan Harmon, uh, the co-creator of Rick and Morty, who is the creator of Community, um, when a lot of Me Too uh, tweets were going out um, a couple months ago, uh, Dan Harmon was tweeting a support and one of his writers from Community uh, tweeted, did you feel that way when you were harassing me? And so Dan Harmon went on his podcast and talked about gave kind of an abject apology to a former writer Anna Gans about how um, he had used his institutional power to make her life worse because um, she was not um, reciprocating his romantic advancements and he talked about how through um, his therapy he had learned that he had been projecting a lot of those feelings on her and that when she did not reciprocate those feelings that it was very wrong for him to do that and uh, it seems interestingly that Gans accept, publicly accepted his apology. Like if you listen to his podcast, it's um, a pretty long, lengthy apology with some context given, but no excuses made. And Dan Harmon has kind of gone out of his way to call out like the Reddit um, red pill um, misogyny bros to be like um, the jokes that you're interpreting as um, misogynistic are not. And if that's how you view Rick and Morty, like I don't want you to be a fan of my show. So I think it's kind of cool that Dan Harmon kind of owned his shittiness because I think there's a lot of like non-apologies and people grappling with how do you deal with the problematic people who have used their power like, you know, horribly against women and, pro you know, minorities too in the workplace. And it's nice that Dan Harmon didn't just make excuses like Louis C.K. He kind of just like owned his shit, apologized in a very public fashion and I think is attempting to make amends. That's interesting. I didn't know about that. I, wa I want to read more about it. I appreciate that he gave a shout out to getting therapy because I think most men raised in this country need therapy to like undo all their toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> they need someone to unwind it. Or maybe they need an education system that sends them out in the world to learn. Like like actual sex ed, like real sex ed and health education. Maybe. Probably that's that's not explicitly what I was saying, but yeah. Well, that's what I that's where I would personally insert education on toxic masculinity. Early too. I mean, um, yeah, you know, you can definitely talk about gender roles and be specific about gender roles like very early in um, kids' education and kids' lives because the earlier you jump in there and the earlier that you either normalize things or just not or destigmatize things, the better. I agree, Mo. Yeah, just remove gender. Just remove it. Yeah, that'd be nice, but easier said than done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. People lose their shits over so many things in schools. 
Um, but it's cool. It's definitely worth checking out. There's a great Vulture article that kind of recaps the whole Dan Harmon thing. And his podcast is in my Petardar, so I'll get to that in a bit. Good shout out. I still feel hesitant to, you know, trust a white man's apology, but I'll take it. Dang. <laughs> I'm on fire. Don't piss Mo off. Well, the Al Frank and Louis C.K. non-apologies are worth shouting out again as not actual apologies and dan Harmon has good pr people and maybe he's coming from a, a genuine place but probably a good therapist too let's get her or him to write a curriculum or them all right so do we have any more uh threads that we're gonna tease out here jimbo did you want to weigh in on dan Harmon? that'd be nice if more people took accountability of their actions it's just like praising the, being a decent person yeah, so like, yeah, Drew's like congratulating him for doing what what he should have done. He should have never done it in the first place. But then he was like, if he hadn't been exposed and called out, would he have released this apology anyway as a blanket statement and been like, in my personal life, I've treated women this way, X, Y, and Z. So I'm sorry. Like he only apologized publicly because this lady called him out. I like more that he kind of like hates on the 4chan Reddit bros. I I would not commend him for apologizing for something that he never shipped on the first place. And maybe in his defense, which which I I obviously don't know. There's a small no, actually no. I I I take that back. He probably knew that what like what he did. I doubt that she brought up something that that he didn't know about. But maybe yeah, well, it's possible. Maybe he didn't know, and his therapist brought it to light, and then it maybe like yeah. Um. But I'm glad that he's at least shutting it down with his fan base. Is there a lot of like toxic mask? Yes. What, um, what did you call them? Reddit of, Reddit bros? Yeah, there's a lot of 4chan Reddit red pill bros in the uh, Rick and Morty fandom. I see. They were probably lined up in my neighborhood to go see them. <laughs> to go see the pop-up. Yeah. There was this, um, the Dan Harmon kind of weighing in on the Me Too movement or like at least talking about his... Um, his involvement or like his abuse of power kind of occurred between the second and the third um, season. And in between the second and third season, part of um, I think his like mea culpa was he did hire uh, more women to be in the writer's room and women of color to be in the writer's room of Rick and Morty. And so a bunch of like the Reddit bros were like, the show's not going to be funny in the third season. The third show's going to be like SJW. It's not going to be what it was. The third season of Rick and Morty is really fucking funny. And to me, it's almost indistinguishable from the first two seasons, if not crazier and more insane. But that's nice. I mean, that's action. You know, words will lie. I tell students a bunch, like, words will lie all the time. But, you know, Dan Harmon's the showrunner. He's the executive producer. So if he does want to, you know, help get rid of, like, toxic writer's rooms of, like, white dude dominated, like, he did it. He hired, like, women and got, like, people of color into his writer's room. And the show did not explode or go crazy or like change that significantly it was still very funny and very weird and very dark yeah i think mo's falling asleep was... on us <laughs> all right well, let's 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 push forward no i think we've dangled i think we've dangled enough yes rick's philosophy is off to be another day yeah possibly another another podcast philosophy quite a bit yeah a bit you guys were going deep in that te- text chat thing <laughs> i missed it all all right, so now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment before the moment we've all been waiting for: watch or rewatch. Go ahead, Mo. We are we already know Drew's a watcher, Mo. Yeah, uh, I'd I'd be interested to see where 
Rick and Morty's adventures take them next. So I would rewatch. I was going to not rewatch it because I, I didn't love the, the pilot the first time I watched it. But due to Drew and Fitz's persuasion, I did check out another episode. And I did watch the pilot a second time. And so I am going to continue to watch this show. Maybe not this week or next week, but I, I, I would like to come back to it. I'm very much intrigued in a lot of the themes that were hinted at. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely watching a show. Again, I might watch an episode tonight. How many seasons are there? There's three seasons. Two of them are on Hulu. And then the third season just dropped on um, Adult Swim. And it, it was finishing up right around the time that Game of Thrones was finishing up, like last summer. And so those were awesome Sunday nights. That's, that's an intense rivalry. All right. So now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for to hoist or not to hoist that is the question and for those of you new to the show if you haven't figured it out yet this is where we decide whether this show was successful or unsuccessful blown up by its own bomb if you will but first a word from our sponsors what does it matter 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 podcast with Sean Faust? Does genre really matter to you? Do you only listen to one style of music? Do you only watch one kind of movie? Do you only read one kind of book? No, you're not that boring and nobody's that boring. So check out the podcast taking the world by storm called What Does It Matter? It's about anything and everything because when it comes to genre, what, what does, does it matter? matter? WDIM Podcast can be found at WDIMpodcast.blogspot.com. Tell your friends. Welcome back, listeners. And we, we don't need to jump around the bush either. This is a, this is a very strong not hoist. Yep. Super strong not hoist. Not hoist. And this will transition us into the next section that Mo's probably not going to be able to participate favorite. in. It's my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> Mo is on the East Coast, and it's it's late by the time we get for, to the quest for the best. And she usually <laughs> is not all that participatory in the you know in the discussion because put she's it anywhere, like guys. Barely <laughs> awake. Well, that sounded weird. <laughs> <Yes>. huh? <laughs> <sighs> that could that could be the soundbite for the next week. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. If we're, yeah, I don't know if we're ready to go there, but. uh <laughs> I felt like the pilot wasn't as good as South Park. Hmm. Mm. I I laughed so many more times during the Rick and Morty pilot Same. versus the South Park pilot. And I realized that South Park did things, but we're really just looking at pilots, not the effect of the shows later. Well, you're really hard to understand right now, Drew. I, I'm saying that I understand how a show like South Park that came 20 years before Rick and Morty like paved the way. But we have disregarded um, cultural and like cultural significance, and we want to look at these pilots in you know in a vacuum. And I laughed so many more times in Rick and Morty than I did during South Park. I agree. I laughed way more with Rick and Morty, and I thought the humor was. I thought there were less cheap jokes or whatever you call them, Jimbo, than in South Park. South Park had way more cheap jokes, cheap laughs, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, had bashed the South Park story, but I feel like the story in Rick and Morty is maybe a little worse. 
Although I am a lot more interested in watching future episodes of Rick and Morty versus South Park based solely on the two pilots. I would say there's more originality too. Um, and I know that South Park was playing on archetypes and South Park was playing on tropes, but I feel like Rick and Morty was also playing on archetypes and tropes. Like we all talked about the back yeah, of the of course. motifs, but I think that Rick and Morty was able to pull out a more original, um, a more like original adventure and the world building was there, you know, like, and I didn't laugh nearly as hard. Like there's no Glenn, there's no Glenn in South Park. Mm, let's just put it. I want to put it above X-Men only because I thought it was more funny. I think it goes below X-Men. I think it goes below X-Men. I think it goes above Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I would I would definitely put it above Friday Night Lights. I mean, I had no interest in continuing Friday Night Lights. Mo, do you think it's better or worse than The Wonder Years? I really love The Wonder Years, but I think I have like nostalgia for it and the song, <laughs> the intro song. I think Wonder Years is is a much stronger pilot. I'm I'm down for below Wonder Years, above Friday Night Lights. Mo, what do you think? You know I'm oh, I I give in to whatever you guys say at this point. <laughs> I'm down for that. Yeah. We have a new number nine. That number nine is Rick and Morty. That's a strong showing. I think Rick and Morty is gonna have some staying power. I think it's gonna be a little bit hard to break the Rick and Morty wall. Oh, okay. In the top ten, I only need to watch My Name Is Earl and One Punch Man. Nice. So I'll get around to it. And so now we're going to move into our Petardar and new listeners. This is recommendations based off of the pilot of Rick and Morty. And the your co-hoisters, we take our own liberty in how we define recommendations for Rick and Morty. So I'm I'm going to keep it real simple. Back to the Future in South Park for reasons we've kind of already discussed. Uh, on my Petardar is the podcast that I referenced that Dan Harmon uh, started or that he was using. It's actually called Whiting Wongs. Um, Dan Harmon and Jessica Gao um, discussed television and film writing um, and race, kind of in where they intersect. Jessica Gao was one of the new writers who um, joined Rick and Morty in season three. And so she and Harmon really joust about whatever is kind of going on in the week racially but also in terms of like some creative things they have cool guests come on including a writer from this is us who that's my favorite whiting wongs episode is the one where um jazz walters comes on and she talks about being a writer being like a black female writer in a writer's room and like how she used her experiences to inform how she wrote on this is us Mm -hmm. what you got mo Mm, space jam (laughs) (laughs) nice that is a good one I was <laughs> Interdimensional are, adventure. There are yeah. definitely yeah. <laughs> Space Jam is the best. I want to see it now. That's all and, I got. Yeah. So for new listeners, that's how the Petardar works. Anything you know, it could Anything be works. from <laughs> Back to the Future to Space Jam to a podcast about writing. Do not watch Doc and Morty. Marty. <laughs> if you are a real sick fuck, <laughs> then go watch Doc and Morty because that's what it's for. Very weird. Anyone that's still listening is going to go watch it just because you told them not to, Mo. Drew's poor middle school kids have already probably started the first minute of it. No, don't go, kiddos. They're they're cold and dead inside from playing Fortnite all all day and all night. So, yeah, I mean, that that stuff would offend us. They've probably seen worse. What's a dildo, Kenny? Yeah. All right, so next week we are, you know, going back to our roots of WB 
high school dramas with the pilot for One Tree Hill. And you can go to our website, pilotsandbatards.com, and you can join the pre-discussion for One Tree Hill. Yep, it's on it's on Hulu. It's pretty young white people with problems. You know, like they gotta they gotta work them out somehow in high school. My jaw is too chiseled. My skin is too poorless. Free of acne. Yeah. <laughs> And listeners, if you can't tell by the music, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we're going to stick around for a few more minutes. Maybe a couple more minutes. So plugs, we have our official closing music is an instrumental track by Entheos. And our intro was mixed by Jake Drew. And you can find a link to both of those artists in the show notes or on our website. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can join our Facebook group. And you can always stop by the website and share whatever comments, ideas you want. And Jake Drew, feel free to leave us an iTunes review because Kier Gomes did. And, you know, that guy's magic. Nice. Are you posting an iTunes review, Mo? Oh, no. Should I? I can't. I feel like too invested now. Is that allowed? Yeah. Yeah, no, Mo, yeah you're, you're too invested. I'm not posting. This is us. Oh, on the, on the Insta. On the Insta. Oh, and if, if, if anyone's still out there, you can follow me on Twitter at Jimbo G-Dup, G-E-D-U-P. And I'm going to try and keep that as like a real Twitter account for my podcast persona. In my head, it's Jimbo Get Up. Get Up. Get Up. There's no T in it. It's a D. I know. That's why it's get up, not get up. I know I say this a lot, but dude, this episode went really rough, man. This this might... Why? This might be down there with West Wing. Oh, really? I thought we had some good... Some That's good what I back thought. And forth oh, okay. I don't know, man. Every time I think nice. that we have a weird episode, it turns out good. I, I did not listen to Married with Children for a day or two because I thought I was going to come off like super rough or we were, but that's one of my favorite episodes. Actually, that that is maybe my favorite episode. Which one? Married with Children. Married with Children. Um, I I really like uh, the This Is Us episode when I was listening to it, even though Jimbo is just like throwing verbal elbows the gonna, whole time. I'm gonna I'm gonna fix that tonight. Yeah, that that was another one I was a bit worried about too. Like I said, I usually feel that way every single week. <laughs> so, well, there you go. There's, there's no actual barometer. Um. Yeah. Hey, so we we're running out of like uh, reviews on iTunes, which is fine. Um, what shows are you guys would you want to put out there? Like, what pilot are you looking forward to? Dude, we still have we have a long ways to go before we get to those other ones, man. No, no harm chatting about it now. A little, oh, yeah, little sure. shoppy talk. Uh, Mo, what would you throw out? If yeah, you could? Oh, and this is and this is a throwback to Shrek to Shrek Breath. Now we're at, this is a legit shop talk, which we haven't done. In a I while. know. It's fun. <laughs> like talking business. And not just yes. talking shit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> episode thirty-four is up is up for grabs. So that's uh, we are recording episode twenty-two right now, dude. We're still three months away. <laughs> I like to look forward to things. <laughs> Wait, can we talk about Zuckerberg being a reptilian? Let's Have you heard it. of this? Tell me. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I know. Have you I heard know, of what? Um, Facebook has taken a lot of. My favorite is. Zuckerberg meme was when they colored him like Data. And they put like a fake uh, Star Trek shirt on him, and they made his face yellow. Oh. I thought that was my favorite one. <laughs> Wait, no, but so did you know on your Facebook you can go to? Well, do you? Either of you have Facebook? I forget. I never see you all on there. 
I have Facebook. Um, oh my god, Mo, I've tagged you in things. I oh, you have. Tag you, you have. every <laughs> single week <laughs> when I post our. Okay, re- I'm not very. I'm not very engaged Facebook. with Facebook, so calm down. Mo, you're the one. Actually, no, okay. Jimbo also has a fake Facebook name. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really on it a lot, except to just know when events are happening. But um, there's an, a feature for anyone still listening. You can check in the help center to see if your information was shared with the uh, Cambridge Analytica and mine was yours was mine wasn't no no some, some mine people wasn't. weren't it just it just depends how many old people you were friends with because you had to click um, on a specific app called like this is your data life and if, yep. if you or your friends click oh i definitely never clicked yeah but that, it, it doesn't matter if, though, if your friends if someone did your friends oh would yeah on yeah, it, yeah, they yeah still took exactly anyway, so i suspect an old person <laughs> who's bad at using facebook clicked on that shit but neither myself nor my friends clicked on it Bless. Bless all my that's friends. A, that's amazing. <laughs> well, for those of you still listening, dude, if you if you have an account on anything that's free, you are giving your you are selling your information for that membership. Mm, so fair. I don't really care about my information. I mean, whatever. I don't. It's I don't think that we're properly compensated. I think that I would be happier if I were more. Well, then you shouldn't have the account. That's that's the trade. But man. it's not a trade that was existent when we like signed up for Facebook in two thousand six. Well, I mean, you're paying. For, I mean, you're getting a free service free with ser- lots of ads. Listeners, there are no free services. Okay, if you think you're getting a service for free, you're giving up something you're unaware of. I I felt like I was like looking at those ads, and that was where the revenue was coming from. Yeah. Yeah, but you're still on Facebook. I understand. There's ads on both sides. It's fine. Like I'm, I'm not there for them to like, you know, tell Russia what kind of cereal I like or what kind of Spongebob character I am based on a quiz. It's okay. We're getting into libertarian territory here. Sorry, I'm still posting. But anyway, so I didn't finish. So reptilians okay. is this conspiracy theory that humans and aliens, I think, created this species of human passing people called reptilians. I follow a couple of conspiracy Instagrams. And... And so this guy was like zooming in on Zuckerberg's eye during the Senate hearing and like his eyelid was like doing this weird kind of like muscular mo- motion. I don't know what. Um, and he, and so he, this guy was swearing. He's like, look at his eyes. This is undeniable. There are re- reptilians. Like they think all people in power are reptilian. Yeah, Mo, you shouldn't follow them because you are. I ha- was having, I had nightmares after I looked up reptilians before bed. All right, so <laughs> Jimbo's dropped off because his internet sucks Jimbo? in Arizona. But let's go ahead and sign off, Wait. Mo. And if you want to say something mean about Jimbo, I... you can't because he always gets the last word. But you can have it this time. He said sign off and say say say. Yeah, spelling is hard on texting. <laughs> um, but I think he wants us to give it that sweet sweet. Uh, ace it. No, maybe he meant sure. ace it. Um, but let's hit those sweet sweet. Uh, Catchphrases. So every day I'm hoistling. Drew out. Every day I'm hoistling. Mo out. Every day we hoistling. Jimbo out. <laughs> <laughs>